You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barron, and I have one job here, just to bring you some great information from great thinkers to make you better, make your practice better, and ultimately your life better. Dentistry is a great profession. You ever thought about that? And today is no exception. I'm going to bring some great thinking from a great leader in dentistry who I am just getting to meet for the first time, Grace Rizza. And she is kind of, not kind of, pretty much becoming a great authority on marketing and um, she's gonna share with us some of the mistakes people make. And I love this because it's often fun to talk about the things that don't work and figure out why. So Grace, thanks for being on, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And so in full disclosure, like I've been trying to get you on if you finally said yes. And I was like, all right, cool, 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 cool. And, um, and then you're like, I think, you know, one of the markets that you have is, it, I mean, you're, you've become a great authority in dentistry and one of the new markets is the, like the startup thing you were sharing. But I, before we get into all the details, we're going to talk about mistakes today, but I always want people to know who you are and who they're listening to. So who is Grace Rizza? Tell us who you are. Thank you. Um, I am a Christian. I'm a mom. I'm a wife and I'm the owner of Identity Dental Marketing. And uh, like you, I started, I got into business at 24. I started my business at 24 years old. So 13 years in and, and I like to say that, you know, it only takes a decade to become an overnight success. So it's, it's fun for people to finally see, you know, uh, to see that I'm an authority in this space. I'm flattered and honored to hear that. But it's been, a, it's been a long time of working really hard to get here. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun um, for me. I love education. I love just helping people to understand you know, what they might be investing in or how they can accelerate their practice growth. Um, and I have a whole team of people that help me to, to execute on that as well. So it's, it's been a really fun career thus yeah. far. Well, I'll so. say you've done a remarkable job in a decade. I mean, it's taken me two decades to figure out anything. And, you know, I'm older now, so I don't care. I tell everybody this, like 25 years of doing this first 12 years, I actually thought about quitting quite a bit. 
And that's the thing you learn as an entrepreneur is you learn grit. You're like, okay, listen. And now I've come to the conclusion I'm virtually unemployable. So I got to figure out a way to, you know, and you, you learn better ways to do things. And today we're going to be talking about those things. And you deal, I like being super transparent and vulnerable with people like about the truth of being an entrepreneur. And you do this all the time with dentists, you know, being an entrepreneur, a lot of people just, you know, they, they don't really understand the battle that they're in. So tell us about the journey first of what you're seeing in the trends with dentists, and then let's get into the mistakes one by one. Definitely. Well, it's been a fun uh, career path because when I started, it was dental marketing. My family was like, what are you doing? Like, none of us are dentists. This is insane. You have too, too narrow of a focus. They, they really thought I was just lost my mind when I said I wanted to be a dental marketer. Um, but I saw a need for for branding really to hit the dental space. It's a lot of um, generic branding, a lot of tooth logos, a lot of the same thing over and over again. And so it's always been my passion to kind of educate the dentist and, and letting them know that you can actually shape how people think of you. You can shape what they think of you with effective custom branding. Um, in addition to the how, you kind of want to peel back the layers and figure out what a person stands for, what they want to be known for, and then market. So it's been fun to go from 2008, where people say, well, what's that SEO thing mean? No, I don't need, I'm a dentist. I don't need to market. I just put my name on, on the building and people are supposed to show up. So that's kind of what it was like in 2008. And now everyone knows what what the things are and they know um, what what the most people know what SEO is and what the difference between, you know, paid presence and organic. And, and so it's been really fun, I think, to have a role in that education of the dental community. It's been yeah. fun to play a part in that. Yeah. And you also serve a very specific part of the industry that I just, I'm like, I don't even want to think about that stuff. Like, me changing the fonts on my website or even a misspelling is going to take me an hour. So I don't even want to deal with that. And so one of my questions in your, you know, with your expertise, what do most people get wrong about marketing overall? And like, what, if I'm a young dentist, what do I really need to know about marketing before I embark on a three decade career in this great profession? So um, there's a lot of things to summarize it. I would say, they don't always realize that it is its own area of study that people actually study marketing. Someone made a joke to me the other day. A client said, it's like I it's like I need a second degree in this. And I said, you you do if you're going to try to do it on your own there. I, I do have a degree in this. And and there are several certifications that you should get if you're going to be, you know, running campaigns and things of this this nature. And and they just hadn't really thought about it that like while they were studying dentistry that other people are studying marketing you right. know so I, I think it starts with knowing or or accepting the fact that you don't know it and being open to learning from other people's mistakes and not right. having to make them all yourself so just that mindset i think is number one um and then number two i see a lot of people kind of fall victim to long contracts and lack of ownership. I would say those are my two biggest ones are um, marketing contracts. And I'll, I'd love to talk about why they don't make sense to me and why I'm against them. For sure. Um, and and then, you know, just everything that comes along with, with owning your investments. So a lot of people don't realize that they don't actually own a website. 
after they spent thousands of dollars on it. They don't know what that means. So those would be my, probably my two biggest that yeah. I see yeah, among I also, many others. So I, I, I get all these questions all the time and I don't really know the answer, but here's one of the questions that comes up too, is there's a whole spectrum of here. You, you mentioned it already like, do I need to be the quarterback and know everything? And then there's also a danger in being completely hands-off. So where should I realistically manage my expectations? You still want to be the voice, the heartbeat, the value behind it. But really, you know, Grace, my value is leading these people, connecting with patients. So where do I find myself on that spectrum? Or where would you coach somebody on that spectrum? So the, I would say when you shouldn't do it all on your own when it comes to marketing you're you're likely going to waste a lot of time and money with the more technical side of things like um, launching an optimized ad campaign is probably not the highest and best use of your time as soon as you figure it out it's going to change and it, it, you're probably going to realize that it's it's not ideal for you to do that but ramping up the number of reviews in your practice getting your patients to refer to you, having those internal systems that increase your new patient numbers. Most definitely you want systems for those kind of things. Um, but with the, the marketing that should be outsourced, it's the more technical side. It's the ads, it's the SEO, um, it's setting audiences, it's managing budgets. Um, so kind of think about what you're capable of and what you're truly, you know, what, what the true best use of your time is and kind of focus there. Yeah. Um, it might be a little vague. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it because we can, we can take these pieces apart. Now go back to what you said before. So, and I always like to, I always ask guests like, tell us how you really feel. So you, you, know, <laughs> you, you mentioned like the long-term contracts. That's a really, that's a really important topic comes up. Tell us what we need to know about that and why you don't like some of those contracts when it comes to marketing. So actually, before I started my business, I worked in a practice for about two years and I was the marketing director for a two location practice during the recession 2008. And I was locked in to these different contracts. So we had a radio ad that was producing nothing. We had a three year commitment. So when I took the position, we were already locked into that. So I went to cancel it, couldn't cancel it. So I was like, well, then we're going to make it work for us. We're going to completely reproduce the ad. We're going to make the best out of it. And it ended up being a great referral source. But you've got to be able to change. If something's not working or no longer suiting you, you need the ability to make adjustments. So for instance, if I'm marketing someone in today, their goal is to increase their number of general new patients. They want to build up their practice, keep their hygienist busy, or maybe accommodate an associate, their marketing to general dentistry. That will be a very different marketing plan than if someone quits and they no longer have enough providers, but they still want to be as profitable with the resources that they have. We might shift gears and go from marketing to general new patients and quantity. We might shift gears and market to Invisalign, cosmetics, implant patients. And so you, you need the ability to be flexible with what you're doing and how you're doing it, just because we can't predict everything that's going to happen in a business from day to day. So that's number one. Number two, if something's not working, you need to be able to adjust it or cancel it. And if someone calls me and says, um, and this is rare, I just want to put this out there. Mm -hmm. This is really rare. But if someone calls me and says, my ads aren't working, I can pull up their ads and say, well, last month you got 22 phone calls for this implant campaign. What happened to these 22 people? 
and they say, no, we didn't, then my next answer is then let's cancel this ad because the conversion isn't in place. Right. The, t the team isn't handling it properly. And I don't want you to waste a dollar. I don't. So, and then they're like, no, no, no. All of a sudden it's working. Yeah. Then it's work when I say, you know what, let's cancel it then if it's not working. Now, now right. it's no, 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 no. But if it's truly not doing what it needs to do, you need the opportunity to pull it because there is a little bit of risk involved in every kind of marketing that you do. It's calculated. We can predict almost exactly because we've been doing this for so long, what a budget will do in a certain market, but it's not an exact science. There's always a little bit of risk. Yeah. So yeah. you need that flexibility. Totally, totally. So I love what you're saying because I have so many questions around this. Like, so if I'm a young dentist, you've heard this a lot. I have so much debt, Grace. Like, I don't know if I have any money to, to invest on marketing. And if I do, what should I expect for an ROI, at least reasonably, let's say in the first year? So could, do you have any thoughts on that, whether it be a startup or even an existing practice? What, what, could I, what expectations should I have? I run the risk of ranting with okay. this question, you but I'll, I'll do it by best. Okay. okay. So I, I, my, one of my biggest problems right now in just in business in general is that you've got hundreds of thousands in debt in dental school. You've got now a build out and the fanciest equipment and the most beautiful office, because these are all things I'm going to, I'm going to be really offensive right now, but these are all things that feed the ego. These right. are all things that make you feel special. Like, did you really need the most expensive dental chair when you don't have anyone that's going to sit in it right. because you have zero marketing budget? So I have these conversations all day long. Mm -hmm. By the time they think about marketing, there's no money left, mm -hmm. but wh where are those hundreds of thousands of dollars? So my question is always, well, what do you have to lose if you don't have marketing? Like all of that previous investment is now um, just at risk yeah. because without patience, you have no cash flow, you have nowhere to go. So I, I've got kind of an issue with um, the, the people that are saying, just, you know, go out there and get your name out there. It's like, you're a doctor door-to-door -door flyering right now, you're associating at another practice. It's not the highest and best use of your time. The banks should be giving people a roadmap. When they write, when they give a loan, they should be giving a roadmap with, with a fair marketing budget. I think what the doctors are doing is they just don't want to spend it. They just think it's not that necessary. Right. Um, and for some reason, the banks are saying 25000 for a year. And I'm going, oh, Okay, well, that's tight and we'll work with it. But the doctors mm. are going, can we just make it five? Wow. Um, and it's it's like all of a sudden the marketing, we're supposed to be magicians. Like the marketers are supposed to be magicians because there's nothing left. So yeah. my advice would be start th asking these questions sooner. Ask, okay, what does it take to acquire a new patient in my market with this method? And then reverse engineer what it's going to cost to make those methods work for you. Instead of saying, I have $500, what can you do with it? Ask, what's it going to cost to get 20, 50, 80 new patients a month? Yeah. And then figure out how you can make it happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think if I remember correctly, you know, back, I'm going to say 20 years ago, a lot of these loans that were written for dental practices, they had a line item in there and it was way more than 25000 on what to invest on the outside marketing growth of the practice. Now, another thing I'll just throw into the conversation too, the digital, digital landscape is pretty crowded now. I mean, back in the day, if you had a website, you know, and again, I'm going to date myself again. 20 years ago, you were ahead of 50% of the dentists. And if you were on Facebook, you were in front of a hundred, you were ahead of a hundred percent of the dentists. Now the digital landscape is almost too crowded. So navigating that landscape is critical. Like I've done Facebook ads. I don't know if they're working, if they're work, not working. So you, and you probably have more data. Like you said, with the phone calls, you can see what's happening. You know, I can tell at a glance in a market, how something's going to work and how long it's going to take to work with very good accuracy, because this is all I've done for 13 years. So sometimes I'll share that information and I'll hear a gasp, like an audible panic on the other end of the phone. And I'm like, I realize I'm the person that comes in and pops the bubble of if you build it, they will come. It, It doesn't quite work like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, well, let's, let's go back because I'm one of those people I could talk for four hours about anything and that's dangerous. To, <laughs> so let's go back when you, when, you know, yeah. to the whole original mistakes when let's break this down. So if I'm a young listener or if I'm just looking for what are some of the biggest mistakes you see in dental marketing? Um, template, template or uh, builders for websites. So when marketing companies use drag and drop builders, this can be Wix, Squarespace, Webflow, GoDaddy Builder, Elementor. There's a million. Um, when they use these builders, it's not ideal for SEO. Okay. So a lot of times we'll have people say, well, can you just take my website as it is? And I look at the code and I'm like, Google's going to hate this. This is why you're on page four um, in a competitive market is the foundation is broken. So a lot of times people take shortcuts and i think that's like a over overall view to to say they they do it yourself brand so they've got like the generic tooth logo but they want to have this high level fee for service brand and then they sometimes it's really sad because sometimes they actually pay top dollar for a website and they don't even know that a builder is being used so you have to actually don't assume that because you're spending a lot of money that it's being done a certain way you have to ask is there a builder that's used and you want to get that in writing that right. it's not being coded with a builder. Yeah. And would you consider um, that custom code? I, I don't know the lingo, but that's a custom code site. You could say it's custom coded, but someone could still consider a website that used a builder. They could still somehow call it custom coded. So right. you would just want to get that in writing that they're not using a, a builder such as one of the things I just listed. Yeah. And tell us, you know, you're a big fan of start with why. And I always do. You know, the other thing is the intelligence. And we used to think we could beat Google. You know, everyone now, you know, Google's just too smart, but Google's paying attention to this. And why, why do they not like the builders and the templated formats? Can you give us some insight? Yes. So Google's job is to, besides making money, is to serve up the most relevant result for a search term. And so Google bots, it's all automated. Google bots crawl websites and they index or save what your website is all about. And when they encounter this code that is necessary in order for the functionality of a builder, when they encounter these these layers and layers of code, which enabled the site to be built, it 
basically interferes with the bots being able to see what your website is all about. So it creates layers of code, it slows down that process, and it basically just puts you at an immediate disadvantage to anyone else who had their site done without a builder. Yeah. So, so long gone are yeah. the days where you pay 1100 bucks and they just put your colors and your fonts on there and your logo and you're up and running. Um, so be beware of that. Huh? Yeah, I mean, and I'll always be honest with people. If they come to me and they're like, is this good enough? And they're like one of five doctors in a town. I'm like, you don't need to do anything. Like your, your patient to doctor ratio is great unless you want to market and brand stronger or make it harder for people to outrank you in the future. Um, so it really is also very dependent on your level of competition. Okay. Now I know this might be down in the weeds, but I do get this question and I don't have the answer. A dentist will say, oh, so, so I built this site. Like, should they go in and man manipulate it? Or do you want somebody else manipulating it, like updating the content? I get these questions and I'm like, this is not my area. So I thought I would just share it with you. It, it terrifies me. It's always so funny when the doctors are like, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to take it over and do it myself. I'm always like, you can, right? but should you, should you? And is it the highest and best use of your time? Unless you really love, like, let's say you just really love writing and you're an excellent writer and you enjoy the outlet of managing your own blog, then go for it, you know? But a lot of blogging is actually communication with Google bots. It's not just for your patients and visitors of your website. It's also a way to show new, fresh keywords to Google. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, good, good to know. What are some other big mistakes you see dentists make on all fronts? Um, being cheap, being very, very cheap. I see. What, what are and you I know saying? So I don't know what you're saying. You've <laughs> never come across, no. And it's not cheap because like I said, a lot of doctors will invest in this beautiful office and this yeah. even the degree is so it's so much going out so like i empathize with the difficulty in writing another payment or another i say check I, now i'm dating myself mm -hmm. but making another payment it's painful because you have nothing coming back in yet but if you dabble in five different things there's a huge risk that you're actually taking and it has nothing to do with the ineffective nature of that way of marketing. So I'll just paint this illustration. Let's say I've got 500 in Facebook ads, 500 in Google ads, and I'm sending out um, some mailers. I spend $1,000 a month in mailers. And then I try them. I'm just testing them all to see what they bring. But I've got um, below, I'm, I'm investing below what, what Grace Rizzo calls the minimum viable budget. So if you're not investing enough in your market to see how something works, you're actually not truly sampling it. Right. And so what happens in these situations, which is just, it's heartbreaking for me to watch and it's heartbreaking for the doctors, is they try it and it seemingly fails and they don't know why, so they give up on it entirely. And now they're five years before they can get back on the saddle and try it again in a way where it will actually work for them. So they become kind of just completely turned off to the things that they actually need the most. Right. So a lot of times I direct people into, okay, if you've got a limited marketing budget, let's identify in your market, which method is going to be the most effective and cost-effective, and let's maximize your budget with that one thing. 
instead of spreading it too thin among all of these other things. Let's go right first to the thing that's gonna work the best for you. Then once you're more comfortable with cash flow, more comfortable with your new patient numbers, then we can layer on the next best thing once you cap out the opportunity with the first best thing. Yeah, and I wanna ask you specifically about that. We're gonna come back to that in just a second, but I wanna start with this one, is the overall mindset. If I'm a dentist creating a practice and I'm the owner of the practice, would you agree with this? I wanna get my mindset around like, this is not a cost, it's an investment. It's an investment that should have an ROI and you're not gonna spend less on marketing as your practice grows, right? You should budget more and more and more. It should show that it works, not that we're gonna cut the spigot off someday and that's just it and now we're gonna ride without training wheels, right? Um, some people market more and then they dial it back because they've created some momentum and they're at capacity. So a lot of times I have clients that we have our strategy sessions with our, and we look at the numbers and everything and they're like, I'm growing, I'm at my max number of new patients so I don't want to add anything on, but I'm going to hire someone and then we'll come back and do more marketing. So it really just depends on the, the goals of the individual practice owner. But the mindset of I'm going to invest in this for a little while and then I'll never have to spend money on marketing is probably not realistic. I agree yeah, with that. Totally. Now, you, I want to go back to what you said, you know, you. Let's say I'm one of those people who is a dentist. I'm young. I got a lot of debt. You understand? I've got all these kids too. I got a ton of kids. And like, and, and now when you said, we're going to focus maybe on one thing or just a few things, guide me through that process. What do you typically see? And I know we're just talking generally, but if I'm going to get the biggest ROI and I don't have a massive budget, where do you typically coach people to go? So it, it really depends on the level of competition in the town. And I would say in more instances than not, I would recommend starting on Google, whether that's organic rankings or Google ads. And the reason for that is that people go to Google when they're ready to buy. If I'm searching dentist near me, I'm ready to, to go to the dentist right now. Right. Whereas if I'm on Facebook, I'm looking at baby pictures, I'm wasting time, I'm watching funny videos or this Johnny Depp trial that I can't seem to escape for some reason. <laughs> and your ads pop up and from there I don't, I, I'm interrupted by your ads. So it's good for, social media marketing is fantastic, but it's the long game. It's good for brand recognition. It's good for being known in your community, for bringing value. And it's very, very powerful, but it's not the same as a, an immediate call to action type campaign right. on Google where you're targeting keywords and you're being found at the same moment that someone's looking for you. Yeah. So they're, they're different. So I would usually, if they're in a situation where they're a startup and they need to get, lack of a better phrase, butts and seats, that's what people say to me, I need to right. get butts and seats, I would normally look for where's the best opportunity on Google for you in your area based on the level of competition for different keywords. Yeah, it's so funny so. you say that because I don't know how it works. I clicked on a Johnny O shirt one time because I like those shirts and it was a collared like golf shirt. It followed me for like six months and I had to buy it. I'm like, it keeps following <laughs> me. And I was Googling something. I'm like, I'm just going to buy it. And then I bought it. I'm like, well, then another one came out that was light blue. Well, I got to get that one too. And I'm like, how do these guys know where I'm hanging at? Ooh, look at that. They got shorts now too. I'll just get that. It's like they're stalking me. And so yeah. I don't know if that's expensive, cost effective. I would imagine it's pretty good because you're really understanding the behavior of the buyer. I mean, 
by following yeah. them wherever they go. So um, I don't know. That's that's very good to know. Um, so cool. and that's yeah, and that's that retargeting is very powerful for brand recognition for follow through. And when we get to the point where we're comfortable in having two or three marketing methods, we can retarget on Facebook and Instagram to people who have visited the website, maybe we're funneled through an ad. So when you start bringing it all together, it gets very powerful. But if you're looking, if you're in a situation where you really have limited funds, you might want to start with the thing that's going to work the best, max it out, get the most out of it you can, and then layer on the next thing. Yeah. And, and I, I can see how I could do 12 different shows with you on different topics, but I have to ask, and this one's on mistakes people make. And I have to ask you about the biggest, you know, struggle that we have is social media. I mean, personally, I, I mean, I, I don't mind sharing this. I got an Instagram and my daughter was my only follower. And then she unfollowed me and I'm like, honey, I need followers. And she's like, it's so bad. Now, uh, what do most dentists make mistakes on as far as social media? Cause I see them putting energy into it and money. What do they get wrong? Or what are some of the biggest mistakes you see on social? Um, un unrealistic expectations for it. I would say they, okay. they see one dentist who's um, maybe a, a hilarious comedian putting stuff out there and gaining traction and becoming popular. And they think they're just going to do whatever TikTok trend is out right now and then get like dental famous or, and, and in most situations, um, and I don't want to offend anybody, but that's tends to be what I uh, do today on this podcast. I feel like I've already been very offensive, but most people aren't uh, like famous comedians and most people are not, you know, models. Right. And, so I, I think the biggest mistake I see there is just focused on being famous instead of bringing value. Love it. If Love it. you make it your mission to educate your community on the things that matter to them, such as, did you know when you're pregnant, if you have periodontal disease, that you're seven times more likely to go into premature labor? Yep. How have you made it your mission to educate your community? If you take that perspective and apply it to social media, you'll be incredibly successful. And and stop worrying about the number of followers. Stop worrying about getting famous and just have the intent to help people. And then in addition, don't be afraid to, to throw some money at it too. So right. if you do this educational video once a week, throw 20 or $50 behind it, boost it so people can actually see it. And then they'll start to follow. They'll start to see who you are. And over time, it's the long game. That's how you build that brand recognition, that trust, and you really gain momentum. Yeah, I totally, completely agree with you. You know, the imitators, I'm like, oh my gosh, like... Number one, you just got to be yourself and talk about the things that you care about. Number two, you're not even close to offending anybody. My third or fourth guest was Howard Ferran, and like my 94 year old gr grandmother listens to these, and I was like, oh geez, I don't. She might unfollow us after this, but uh, so you're not even getting close on there. Um, and and you know, social too. I think I think you're hitting a really good point because you're going to find that your favorite patients care about the same things that you care about. And so years ago, um, I met the kids from Wistia and they're not kids anymore. And his name's Chris Savage. And Chris talked, I was like, Chris, you got to help me. He's like, dude, you're trying too hard at this. He's like, 
I got one piece of advice. Just talk about what you care about for the rest of your life because what you're going to do is you're going to attract people that care about the same things. And I'll tell you, Grace, that was like the best advice anyone ever gave me because I was trying too hard to impress people, make it funny. He's like, just talk about the things you care about, be yourself, and you're going to be crazy busy. And he was right, you know? So yep. I think it's crazy. What other mistakes? I love this. And I, and I say this like in a good way, but like we learn often more from mistakes and failures than we do. Oh, everything worked great. So what are other mistakes you see in marketing? Um, I would say if you've got someone on your team that's helping you, let's say posting to social media or driving that uh, word of mouth or helping you get reviews, set your goals so that they're, tangible. Um, you don't want to have a goal like get a thousand followers because right. that's not actually something that you can control, but you can control if your front office team member is to request 50 followers a week. That's something she can control and an action item that she can do. And the result of that may be a thousand followers. You may achieve the actual intended result sooner if you break it into action items. Mm -hmm. You have clarity around that. Yeah, so. I love that. I love other, because you're right, those are, you know, people often refer to the follower thing as vanity metrics type of a thing. And I don't know how you could even make sense of some of that. And then realistic outcomes, I would imagine, uh, realistically, we've got to, we got to start with a goal in place, not just make it look pretty, make everyone talk about it. And what are some other good goals if, I, if I'm a scratch start for the thir first three or four months that would tell me I'm on the right path marketing-wise? So it goes back to that uh, reverse engineering. And so when you say, you know, I'd really like to be part-time three days a week, I would say, well, then how many new patients do you need to accomplish that? Right. And then from there, I would look at who they have, uh, what they have, how much they have to invest, and what their level of competition is and then reverse engineer it. So in most markets, moderate competition, I'll throw out some figures because I'm not afraid of that. Uh, let's say with a Google ad campaign for a general new patient, I'm not talking dental implants, I'm talking a general new patient, new patient acquisition costs on Google ads, average $200 okay. for a new patient. So and tell so us what that means. Like tell us more about that because I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're investing 2000 in your ad spend to Google, you can expect on, in an average market to see about 10 new patients a month from that. Those 10, if you're really good with people, could turn into 15, could turn into 20 over time because they also refer people to you. So that number should grow. Um, but you could at least say, well, then if I really want to get this up and running, how much do I need to, to put into this? It's, it's something we can calculate and estimate. But what happens is they, they often, people often want to put in a thousand and get 50. And that's just not the cost right now. <laughs> right. So it's it, like you, you want that, but you don't want to pay for that. So you've got to just have realistic, exp you, you need your marketing advisor to be able to set realistic expectations so that you can make those decisions and know what you're going to see from them. It shouldn't be just 
throw it out there and see how it does. You should have an idea of what should be coming back to you. Right. Okay. So I have like 30 more questions. So you'll have to tell me when you'll say, Kirk, we can't, I know I don't get you all day, but I want to ask you a couple more. You know, people say print is dead. You know, mail is dead. Is that true? Is it not true? What have you found? Because there's so much digital too. So where are we at at this point in time in the world on print and digital? And is, is print dead? So, um, I don't think it's dead. It's just more expensive. Okay. So it's a matter of saying, well, if it's $200 to attract a patient through digital right now, and it's 400 to attract a patient through a mailer, well, do I want to pay 200 or do I want to pay 400? And so for me, I offer both services, but I break it down and say, if it were me, I'd want to pay as many 200s before I had to pay a 400. Right. Uh, and then I'd want to get that word of mouth going to, to just help with those numbers before I spend on this other thing. So I don't think it's dead. And if you really want to just hit the market hard and money's not an issue, for sure, roll out your branding strategy, roll out your mailers, roll, but that's not the situation of most of the startups that I talk to. Every once in a while, I get someone who says, what's it going to take? This happened last week. What's it going to take to get 100 patients? I said, in your market, and I gave him a figure. And I thought he was going to hang up on me. And he goes, oh, finally, someone who knows what they're doing. Okay, let's go. And I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. Like, not what I was expecting. I was like, okay, are you a dentist? Who is this? Yeah. And he laughed that I've got my MBA and I, I know it costs X to acquire patients. And so it was great. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. Now, we've also embraced the probably two hardest years of anyone's life, which is the pandemic. What, what implications has this massive disruption had on this industry and marketing that you've seen? Like things that you're like, okay, things are different post-COVID. Anything? Um, that flexibility, if anything, it proved the importance of that flexibility. Every single one of our campaigns, we were refocusing. We were changing messages about infection control. We were busier than ever supporting people in patient communication, safety measures, um, turning on emergency campaigns, turning off the elective and cosmetic campaigns. And so I think a lot of people just froze and, and tried to pull everything and just to, it was scary just to survive. Um, but I think so far in 2022, what I'm seeing is a really nice rebound for the profession. And, and people are saying, you know, we might be heading into this recession and these other things might be coming. But right now, people are wanting to get ahead of that. They're wanting to market and get comfortable and get their team in place. And I think everyone right now just wants no more disruptions, like yeah. just a, a peaceful, predictable practice is what we all want right now. Okay. So. Can I keep you for like, come work with Be honest with me. if you. I, I have plenty of time. Okay, good. good, good. Talk. Okay. Yeah. Cause I got a couple more. So I, you've heard this, this is not um, new, you know, it's been dental insurance is like marketing, you know, and you know, I get these young kids that come in to us and they're fresh out of school and they're like, I don't know, I'm just getting started. Do I sign up for all these PPOs or do I invest in marketing? And people say insurance is marketing. Help us sort that. What are your thoughts? 
insurance is a coupon okay. um, that you have to you have to keep. It's not a one time coupon. You're going to take a hit every time you see that patient for the rest of your relationship with them for as long as you're in network. So it's a very very expensive form of marketing. And in addition, people don't realize that so many other people are also participating in the network that it's not like you're the only doctor in town that that partakes. Right. So it's not actually driving patients, but it's just helping with that conversion on the phone when they call to make the appointment. So I would say you can always join networks. You can always change that, but why not at least entertain the option of some fee-for-service marketing of some non-price dependent. And we have, we have at my agency, we have campaigns dedicated to fee-for-service patients. Right. So when people are actually searching for a cash pay dentist or dentist for uninsured, like we can actually connect the right patients for the right practices based on search terms. So yeah. and that, that's such a great thought yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about the simple, you know, financial aspect of it, you see a young dentist, they'll produce and collect a million dollars and write off 250,000. And I'm thinking you could probably spend 250,000 on a great campaign that would bring in patients that would probably pay more for your services. So at some point you've got to decide like clearly where's going to be the best investment of my time. The other thing I always say to young dentists, now don't get mad when you hear this, we are talking about offending people. is like when they write off 250,000 of a million, I tell them you're working one out of every four days for free. And that makes their blood boil. And I'm like, we're not going to stay there. We're going to get out of the mud, but I want you to think clearly about this. Like you're going to work one out of every four days and you're just not making any money. And they go, well, that's just the way it goes. And I'm like, I don't think so. You know, so I do, I completely agree with what you're saying. Like, you just got to think better as you're and I would imagine your messaging has got to get clearer too. This is another question I have for you, Grace, because your messaging has to be on point. I would, I, people think, oh, I have this unique message. And I'm like, no, you're in a sea of sameness. You're kind of like everybody. But if you're a dentist that does really good stuff, the reason people come to you out of network is that you're specific. You're really good at something. And that messaging has probably got to be really on point. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree completely. And that's, it kind of goes back to the template cookie cutter stuff too, that right. you don't, you don't want that. You want anytime you're putting money behind something, whether it's your brand and your website and your presence, or it's exposure in the form of advertising, you want to make sure you're communicating consistent, clear message that's true to who you are, true to your brand, true to your strengths. Because like you said earlier, and I, I could not agree with that more, when you're true to who you are in the messages that you put out, you're going to attract people who are like you and your retention is a whole lot easier than if you're trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah. It's actually, you know, causes other issues there. For sure, so. for sure. And then you you also saw this information probably 10 years ago. Everyone was predicting video is the future. Video is the future. How important is video now in the world of dental marketing? Is it as important, not so important anymore? Just give us the state of the union on video right now. So the way I look at it is if you would have asked me five years ago how important are Google reviews, and before everybody was like really good at it and all about it, you would have beat the rush and you would have got ahead of it. And you would be in a very, very, very sweet position right now. 
video is to reviews right now what reviews were five years ago. People aren't comfortable with it yet. They won't do it. They won't hit record. It's not yet become mainstream the thing to do. So do it now. Get involved in it now. If, if you are someone who should be on camera, do it um, because you'll beat the curve. You'll get traction because you're an early adopter. So there's still room there. And I think it's crucial. I won't even run a Facebook ad campaign without having really strong video content. I will literally turn away the business because I know how much better it works when you have unique material that connects with an audience. Yeah. You just can't get the same connection from a flat picture. Right. You just can't. So it's, you're, are you thinking like two or three times more effective with video in a campaign than, yes. than not? Really? Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Sounds good. And again, I could probably keep you for another hour on all these questions, but uh, I think we'll we'll definitely do another show on other components of marketing. But let's, uh, any last thoughts you have on dental marketing mistakes that people make when they're looking at, you know, the road ahead? I will say vet your professional support team. Ask to talk to actual real clients look at if you're hiring a marketing company or any advisor look at how long have they been in business how many times have they changed their name in business because that's a red flag how long are they asking you to commit to them and really just take your time talk to people and don't make a rush rash decision in who your advisors are because that could make or break your practice for sure for sure. Well, this has been great. So thank you so much. Now I want people to find out more about who you are. Like if I want to follow you, find out more about what you do, how do I get a hold of you? What do you do? Like, where do I go? So I've got uh, two websites, identitydental.com for my marketing agency. And then I've got my personal podcast. It's graceriza.com. And I've got a Facebook group and a podcast called Dentistry's Growing with Grace. So I know that's a lot of information, but. Yeah, awesome. And you could help me like if I, I mean, do you do everything in marketing or could you help me with specifically what I'm looking for in marketing? Like how, I, how's your approach? Uh, my approach is um, I speak to each person before we work together and I provide a free marketing plan, a roadmap of where they should go in their own market with their own circumstances and their goals. And then from there, if they if they want to hire us to fulfill that, we can as well. So we are a full service marketing team. It's about 20 people on my team, writers, designers, developers, and we do the whole the whole thing. That's so. awesome. Well, maybe you could help me with <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Like I, I think I'm just gonna have to make a list of things, but thanks for being <laughs> on. So stick around while we say goodbye. Uh Grace, just stick around. But I just want to say goodbye to you guys that are listening. Thank you guys for listening to the best practices show podcast if you enjoyed today which i hope you did and i know you did do us a favor just hit the share button share with your friends now i'm gonna have grace back and so when you i mean see how i just vow and told you for that i didn't even ask i'm in i'm in (laughs) so um i know you have questions that come up add the uh, questions to the feed you guys send us questions i'll have her back and we can ask 
her the questions. Also, everything that Grace and I talked about, you're going to see our writers. They'll put them all together. So if you were just listening on Spotify or Stitcher, don't worry about it. Just pull over when you're not driving. You can flip up to the notes and everything we talked about will be transcribed. Links to her websites will be in there so you can just click on them. It'll take you right there. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Until we see you next time, keep watching The Best Practices Show. You guys enjoy your day. There you have it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Best Practices Show. I hope you sure did enjoy it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. We are always here for you. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you consume podcasts. And if you really enjoy it, you can leave a comment or a four or five star review. But until we see you next time, keep watching the Best Practices Show. Thank you.